Breaking news. An important development in our now two-year-long experience with COVID-19 is the release of two oral antiviral agents that have been demonstrated effective against SARS-CoV-2. These two meds have just been granted FDA emergency use authorization, and a very limited supply is now available, or more likely unavailable, across the country. Paxlovid is manufactured by Pfizer. It's a combination of nermotrelivir, a protease inhibitor, and ritonavir, which is a pharmacokinetic booster, and this becomes quite important when prescribing, as we'll discuss. Molnupiravir is a ribonucleoside prodrug manufactured by Merck. These two drugs are each supported by a single large RCT, so this is early data, and we're going to learn a lot more about their benefits and harms over the coming months as they are unleashed onto the public. But if preliminary data holds, Paxlovid is very effective at reducing hospitalization and death with a relative reduction of 88%, and Molnupiravir is modestly effective, reducing hospitalization and death by 30%. Both agents appear to be well-tolerated. The most common adverse effects are GI upset, malaise, and dizziness, which overlap nicely with the symptoms of COVID. Both agents are prescribed for a five-day course, twice per day. Each Paxlovid dose is two 300mg nermotrelivir tabs and one 100mg ritonavir tablet, three pills twice per day. And each molnupiravir dose is four 200mg molnupiravir tabs, 800mg, four pills twice per day. So who should get these drugs? Not accounting for scarcity or contraindications, the EUA approval indications are relatively broad. The patient should have tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 and be symptomatic for five days or fewer. The patient should be at high risk for progression to severe disease, but not require hospitalization right now for COVID. The goal is to avoid treating people who would do well regardless and catch high-risk patients in the viral replication phase of their illness, which presumably is when the drugs are effective prior to the need for hospitalization. Hospitalization and severe illness is thought to result more from the body's immune response than viral burden itself. Again, four criteria. Number one, positive test. The EUA specifically stipulates that these drugs are not to be used for prophylaxis. Number two, five days of symptoms or fewer. Number three, not sick enough to require hospitalization. But number four, high risk for progression to hospitalization. Who is at risk for progression? The CDC maintains a list of high-risk conditions that predispose to severe illness from COVID, and it's a lot of conditions, which is why I say the indications are relatively broad. Cancer, disease of any major organ, heart, lung, liver, kidney, brain, diabetes, mood disorders like depression, high BMI, pregnancy, smoking, or other substance use. That's just a partial list, and it's a lot of people. So if your patient meets the four eligibility criteria, now you have to think about the contraindications. Paxlovid, the more effective medication that everyone wants, is approved in patients 12 years old or older and at least 40 kilograms. It is contraindicated if there's a hypersensitivity to either component and it's contraindicated in severe renal or hepatic impairment. But the real issue with Paxlovid has to do with medication interactions. Remember that Paxlovid is nermotrelivir and ritonavir. Nermotrelivir is the active antiviral, but in order to get sufficient blood levels, it has to be combined with ritonavir whose very purpose is to strongly inhibit a cytochrome P450 enzyme to increase blood levels of nermotrelivir. Unfortunately, it's not just nermotrelivir that's metabolized by this P450 enzyme, so Paxlovid causes all sorts of problems with all sorts of meds. There are 28 medications that contraindicate Paxlovid therapy. You're not going to remember them. You're going to have to check every time. 
have a list handy, but the list includes several common meds like simvastatin, sildenafil, phenytoin. There is an even longer list of meds that is not contraindicated but have warnings, including warfarin and rivaroxaban, methadone, and a variety of immunomodulators that would cause the patient to be the kind of high-risk patient you would most want to start these antivirals on. So it's a lot to chew on. One last issue with Paxlovid is that while it's contraindicated in severe liver or kidney impairment, it can be used in moderate renal insufficiency, GFR 30-60, to at a reduced dose. Okay, molnupiravir is simpler, but weirder. Firstly, it is absolutely impossible to spell, and its trade name is Lagevrio, which is also f***ing impossible to spell. So I don't know what's going on over at Merck, but their marketing folks need to do better. Molnupiravir is only approved for adults 18 years and older. But the concern around molnupiravir is that it appears to be a teratogen, or at least it is in animal studies. There are no human studies. It's not contraindicated in pregnancy, but there is a strongly worded warning in the EUA. Breastfeeding is not recommended during and until four days after the conclusion of treatment, and men are advised to not cause pregnancy for three months, three months after the last dose, and during this three-month period, should use a reliable method of contraception correctly and consistently. So aside from the risk of major birth defects and miscarriage, there's less to think about with molnupiravir compared to Paxlovid. And at the moment, molnupiravir is more available. There are more doses around. Unfortunately, it seems to be much less effective than Paxlovid, and also you can't spell it. But if it wasn't introduced at the same time as its more efficacious cousin, we would probably be celebrating a 30% reduction in hospitalization and mortality. It's certainly worth prescribing if Paxlovid is unavailable or contraindicated. Because at the moment there is not nearly enough of these pills to meet demand, there are a variety of priority recommendations. For example, New York State suggests that during this period of scarcity, that only patients who are moderately to severely immunocompromised or unvaccinated over 65 with at least one additional risk factor for severe illness be prescribed Paxlovid. It is recommended that because Paxlovid is so much more effective than molnupiravir, that if your patient meets criteria for both drugs, that you prescribe both and on the molnupiravir prescription stipulate that this is only to be dispensed if Paxlovid is unavailable. If you use this strategy, you have to fully screen the patient and advise the patient for both drugs. The latest NIH guidelines recommend these therapies in order of preference. Paxlovid, sotrovimab, remdesivir, and finally molnupiravir. I have already heard many wonder if they should be using oral antivirals on top of other therapies, most notably sotrovimab, the monoclonal antibody thought to be most active against the Omicron variant. As of today, there are no data to inform that question and no recommendations. They have different mechanisms of action and both have demonstrated benefits, so if my immunocompromised elderly unvaccinated loved one with COPD was just diagnosed with COVID, I personally would want her to get both. But for now you're on your own when your patient asks you if they can get the pills and the infusion. It is really great that we are now getting effective treatments for COVID-19, and it won't be long before we have more clarity on who is likely to be most helped or harmed by these drugs. But until then, you are going to be approached by a lot of folks in and out of the department who are interested in getting a prescription for these two new oral antivirals, and there are important pitfalls for both. So know them and prescribe wisely. Thanks, Ruben, for the fantastic review of these two drugs, which, as you said, we're going to get a lot of questions about. We're going to get a lot of requests for prescriptions. Just want to add a couple more important points. One is that the studies on these drugs were during the Delta phase, when Delta was the predominant variant. Despite that, based on the way the antivirals work, 
they should still be effective against Omicron. We will see that over the next couple of months as these drugs roll out. The second point is that while the EUA for these drugs is to give within five days of onset of symptoms, the studies may not really back that up. In fact, the studies on Paxlovid were within three days of onset of symptoms, so they may not be effective the further out we go. We just simply don't know. Another question that's going to come up from patients is, well, if I'm on a medication that's a contraindication to Paxlovid or Molnupiravir, can I just stop that drug for that duration of time? And this is really going to be on a case-by-case basis. We need more guidance from the FDA as to whether we should be stopping these medications that the patient's on in order to give them this treatment. Surely a lot of other questions are going to come up. You can pop over to the show notes where Ruben has put together a very nice, simple clinical card on the contraindications, the medications that interact with these drugs so that we can have that readily available when we need it. But if there are other questions you have that we haven't answered, send them over and we will try to get answers either from Ruben or from Sean Nort or from Brian Hayes.